0: I'm thankful that many of you have tracked with us on this journey for the last seven years. And uh, I believe I've grown. I believe our leaders have grown. I believe uh, you have grown, but still the best is yet to be. And I said last Sunday that for us to grow from one level of strength to the next level, we need more leaders. The church has grown, but the base hasn't really grown. And there's a sense of... um, if I could say this, of uh, reservation for people to step up to the plate and to lead. And partly because you think that you have to be perfect to be a leader. I want to just dispel that myth. You don't have to, but you must have a heart for God and a heart for His people. And the Bible tells us that those who aspire for leadership aspire towards a good thing. So it's nothing wrong uh, with you saying, I want to be a leader of God's people. In fact, it's a good thing. The Bible says. And so I pray that as we talk about Joshua's life, that we would stir up a sense and we we'll stir up a desire within us all to be leaders. But number two, I want to set the foundation for what leadership looks like in this church as well. And there are eight lessons at least we can learn from Joshua's life. And last Sunday, I, uh, I, I spoke uh, on three. And probably t- today, depending on time, I, d- I don't want to just download all the information. Now, next Sunday would be Resurrection Sunday. Uh, we'll take a halt. We'll, we'll just Take a break from this series, and I've got a great word for next Sunday. I really believe that if you come, you will be blessed. So bring someone, but uh, we'll take a break and then we might continue in the next few Sundays. All right, but last Sunday, I spoke from Joshua's life, and we learned that Joshua, before he became the leader of Israel, he was actually Moses' servant or assistant. And that's where leadership began. It, It starts with servanthood. And I said that. uh, before I was recognized as a spiritual leader in our previous church, I've done everything that you that you could think of. I've uh, cleaned the toilets, I've driven the van, uh, I have uh, stayed up late, uh, and next day wake up early, open the door. I was the gatekeeper in Cornerstone. I hold the key, uh, and I've done everything that you could think of. And it wasn't just a stepping stone. In my heart, I sincerely want to serve. The Lord by serving his people. Sincerely wanted to. It wasn't uh, my aspiration to be a leader that I do all the mundane things. And it's very interesting as I was just thinking about this that uh, regardless of what your belief is about uh, the replacement of Judas, if you remember in the book of Acts, right? So Judas, of course, betrayed uh, Jesus and he hung himself, and there was a vacancy, right? So there were 12 disciples, there were 12 apostles, one Fell out from the number, and so they have got to replace that. So what the church did was, uh, they said, okay, we've got two can, uh, we, have, we, have, we 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 have to look through all the candidates and uh, look for people who have been with us from the beginning. That's what the Bible was talking about, right? So they found two. One uh, was. Uh, Barnabas and another person, and of course we can uh, debate whether it's the same Barnabas, I believe so. But uh, the second person uh, was Matthias. And do you know that that, that's the only time Matthias was mentioned (laughs) in the entire book of Acts? But he was actually chosen, they cast lots, they threw dice, and he was chosen to be a replacement uh, uh, of Judas and was numbered together with the apostles. Whether is that a mistake, whether the 12th apostle was Paul, now we can all go into to a debate and we can all discuss that. But my point that I want to make this morning is the qualification was that this person must have been faithful, for, who, who was with us from the beginning when we followed Jesus. So this. So Matthias basically has gone the distance and he has has walked together with with the rest of the disciples for three and a half years. uh, He he has seen where Jesus has gone, where He slept, He has been there for all the teachings. And what's my point? God is looking for faithfulness. In fact, the reason why the church has existed for 2,000 years was because of 2 Timothy 2, verse 2. And the verse says, These things have heard from Paul, me, Pass them on to fruitful men, gifted men, talented men, charismatic men, to faithful men, right? That's what the Bible says. Pass them on to faithful men who would then teach others also. The reason why the church is thriving and growing is because there has been faithful men. And so Joshua's life shows us faithfulness. that, That he was first and foremost faithful to the Lord, but he was also faithful to Moses as a servant. And we learn also that the first thing that uh, Joshua did when he first came on the scene was that he defeated the Amalekites. And Amalek was the grandson of Esau, and Esau was the man of the stomach. So Esau speaks of the flesh and carnal desires. So first and foremost, we have got to, by God's grace, deal with the carnal desires in our lives that are still trying to uh, resurrect themselves. Because I believe that when we receive Jesus, we're dead. But there were things in in our lives that were trying to resurrect themselves and we have got to choose to be spiritually minded over carnal-minded. Alright, so if I could rephrase what I said last Sunday, we must be spiritually minded as leaders. Alright, it's not about uh, experience from the marketplace that, that qualifies us for leadership. Right. from the board level down to uh, the assistant in uh, children's church, those of us who are serving God in this church must first and foremost be spiritually minded. Some some say spiritually minded. We can't be carnal people. We must be spiritually minded. We must seek first the kingdom. We must know God's mind. Amen? So it's not how you feel. You don't lead from your, your emotions. You lead by the Spirit of God. And... It's very interesting. I failed to point out last Sunday, but it is is very interesting that several hundred years later, the Lord commanded another person to destroy the Amalekites. His name was Saul, King Saul. But instead of obeying the Lord, Saul compromised. You know the story. And disobeyed the Lord. And in the end, interestingly, it was an, an Amalekite who boasted that he killed Saul. He was supposed to kill all the Amalekites, but Saul failed to do that. He gave an excuse, and in the end, it was an Amalekite who killed Saul. Interestingly, Haman, you remember Haman from the book of Esther? He was a descendant of the Amalekites, and he almost succeeded in killing all the Jews. And that's why God commanded Saul to wipe them out. Which is why as leaders, friends, we've got to allow God to deal with, with carnal desires and the soulish part of our lives. So We can't be led by emotions. We, can, uh, we can't lead out of emotions. We've got to lead by God's Spirit. Amen. So the point too, that we made last Sunday is Joshua was a man who hungered for the presence of God. He learned to linger. And I heard that there was some misunderstanding, and people commented that, oh, I love, uh, I don't love people. I just, you know, if you, if you think that way, maybe you have missed the point. Uh, I was trying to say that there were some Sundays where God's presence was so wonderful here that I was, you know, that I prefer to linger in the front and see God move amongst the people than saying goodbye to people at the gate because I am not a professional pastor. I'm first and foremost a lover of God. That's on my profile. Everywhere you can find, if I'm on social media, I am first and foremost a lover of God. My ministry started because God said, raise up lovers of God. Not to build a big church, not to, um, not to make a name for myself, not to have TV programs. I live my life for one purpose, and that is to see people around me love the Lord their God with all of their heart, soul, mind, strength, and love and passion looks like something. Amen. I so Joshua lingered and he was hungry for the presence of God. The third thing we spoke about last Sunday was that Joshua had a different spirit like Caleb. All right, his eyes went on the giants, his, his, he, his eyes went on uh, the walled city, his eyes was on the promises of God. He had a different spirit. And I pray that as a church, as leaders in this church, we all have a different spirit. We don't look at what can be done. We must remember that the Lord has promised us great things and even if there is an opposition, we don't look at the lack we have, how much money we have in the bank account. We have got to, we have got to first and foremost hear God but also we, have, we must be driven by the promises of God. Amen? We must be. Otherwise, we we become like the rest of the twelve spies because they've got at least ten reasons why they should not go in to possess the promised land. Because it's true that the facts were real, the facts were real. The that there were giants, there was a wall, and the wall was at least uh th- uh ten how many three meters wide. Know, and it takes it's almost impossible for nomads who so have been wandering for two years in the desert with no weapons to attack a walled city. It's impossible. And in building the kingdom of God, there will be instances, my friends, where it will be impossible. Where we, we, might, we might not have money in the bank. We might not have enough people. But if the Lord has spoken to us, if He said that we are to go in to possess the land, we have to go in to possess the land. We can't look at the natural. We must be people of a different spirit. And that's what Joshua and Caleb demonstrated. And only two families after 38 more years of wandering around the wilderness enter into the promised land because they have a different spirit. Their attitude was first and foremost God first. What is God saying? Amen. Come on. Are you still with me? Amen. So let's move along and let's look at uh, the fourth thing we can learn from Joshua's life because that really you know, comes from point three and we learn from the book of Numbers and in fact, all throughout Joshua's life, Joshua was a man of faith. All right, He was a man of faith. All through the book of Numbers, the one thing that impresses us about Joshua is that he was primarily a man of great faith. He did two amazing miracles as the leader of Israel. The first thing he did was when the Lord says, march around Jericho seven, ta- uh, seven days, and on the seventh day march seven times, and then you shout. It doesn't sound like a war strategy. It's foolishness in the mind of man. Uh, in, in, in the mind of men. March around the wall. You can just imagine uh, the people on the wall, the 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 soldiers of Jericho just looking down and must be wondering <laughs> to themselves, these guys must have been in the desert know, for too long. I mean, the heat has probably burned their brain. They were just marching around <laughs> quietly. There was no noise. Second day, one more round. Third day, one more round. But the seventh day, they must be laughing you know, at the, on top of the wall as they look down and say, these guys have gone cuckoo. They've just been going around and, and around. And finally, at, at, at the end of the seventh round, when they gave out that shout, and when the walls came tumbling down, guess who had the last laugh? It takes faith to obey an instruction like that, doesn't it? marching around the wall, And the second time, because the battle was slightly longer than they have estimated. You know the story? And they needed a little bit more time. Guess what Joshua did? He commanded the sun to stand still. No one in the history of mankind has ever done that. Do you know what he was doing? And of, of course, there are two schools of thought. One is that the sun stood still, but historians believe that it was the earth that came to a halt. And do you know how much power it needs to stop the earth from rotating around its axis? Some, some people said it takes don't know how many million atomic bombs to stop the earth from rotating around its axis. And that was exactly what Joshua did. He just pointed to the sun and said, sun stands still and the earth comes to a stop. And had a few extra hours of daylight and that was when they completely kill their enemies. It takes a man of great faith to do that. So as leaders, we must be people of great faith. We can't just look at the circumstance and say, ah, yeah, that's it. Lah. We miscalculated our war strategy. We could have saved a few more hours, maybe mobilized a bit more people. We missed it. There will be times when we missed it. But in the face of a challenge, what do we do? Will we be like Joshua and said, okay, if God has promised us victory, I'll be audacious in the way I ask. Amen. I'll stop the sun from spinning. Yeah. <laughs> Joshua was a man of faith. And as, and as a people, as a church, we must exercise faith to appropriate all the promises of God, first and foremost, for your life, but also for this church and for your children. God makes amazing promises. If God is showing you that He will do something great in and through your life, there might be opposition, but we must be people of faith who will just, just go through and, and bring down all the oppositions by faith. Do you know the reason why the children of Israel in the days of Moses failed to inherit the promised land? The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, they did not go in because of their unbelief. wasn't fear. Fear was the fruit of the unbelief. It, it, it wasn't fear who disqualified. It, it was unbelief. So what exactly is unbelief? See, the opposite of, of faith is unbelief. Not, not, not faithless. Right? It's unbelief. So what is unbelief? Basically, I believe faith of course, and I, I was trying to consult Children's Church. Asking Amy on Thursday, uh, how would you explain faith to uh, children? I can quote you Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, but we need to just make it sensible. So I believe faith is confidence in that it is confidence that God will do what He said He would do. Right? It's confidence that God will do what He said He will do. Faith, in its essence, in its simplicity, in, in its easiest way to understand is he would do what he said he, he would do. So if God said that, I will give you the land, I will give you the land. So unbelief is basically doubting that God will and God can. And that is what disqualify them. When they looked at the giants, when they looked at the big wall, they say, God cannot. La. I don't think God can. I think this is too hard for God. I, you know, I think the giants are too big for God. So that's what unbelief is. Unbelief is the lack of confidence in God's ability and in God's word. That's what unbelief is. And, and it's very easy for us, you know, it, with the excuse of well, we, we must use our brain, we must use our mind also. Yes, of course, but sometimes when it comes to the promise of, of when it comes to the promises of God, our mind you know just can't wrap itself up around what God has said stopping the sun marching around the wall oh my can't comprehend walking on water bring me the 5 loaves and 2 fish let me multiply them it, it it's it's it doesn't make sense and the things of God oftentimes don't make sense amen and that's the reason why we must be people of faith because it requires faith to possess the promises of God and sometimes we make excuses oh, but 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 we don't have oh it's not the right time it's not practical what will my family think and I'll before we enter into the promises of God, we must gain victory over our thought life because this is where the battlefield is. This is where doubts are sown. This is when we look at ourselves, we think about ourselves more than we look to God and we see that He who has promised is faithful. He who has begun a good work in us will be faithful to bring it to completion. If He has said it, if I choose to believe it, God will do what He said He would do. And that's what faith is. And we need to have faith for everything in life. In your personal life, you need faith. In parenting, you need faith. I love what my wife said. You need faith to parent your children. If Faith, uh, fear-based parenting will cripple the child. Why are you sending him to all the tuition? Now, we are we are work in progress, as I said. We have to learn. But if it's fear-based, then... It cripples the child's destiny and creativity. We need to have faith in pastoring this church. We need to have faith in moving from one building to the next building. And what if we need to have two services? and We don't have people on the band. We need a bit more volunteers. But if the Lord says, let's go in now. We use our wisdom. We've been tracking numbers. We've been making sure that uh, we have the full... And all. But... When the time comes, if the Lord said, let's launch it, what if we've got no people? Are we going to to fall back on our mind? Or are we going to just have faith in God that He will supply seed to the sower, that He would bring volunteers, that God's people, when they see that He's moving, will be volunteers in the days of His power? See, friends, we must look to the Lord because we need faith. We need faith. Our thoughts must be, must be submitted to God's vision and God's will instead of the circumstances. You know what faith sounds like? I woke up one morning, I was 15, uh, I, I, uh, no, I was about 24. I woke up one morning, I heard a voice from the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and the voice said this. It's a strange word, but you, you know it when the Lord speaks to you. The voice says, Jason is now 15 years old. That's what the voice said. <laughs> Jason is now fifteen years old. <laughs> so I say, God, I know. <laughs> All right, but when but when God speaks to you like that, you know that he he was just, he wasn't just telling you a fact. He wants you to search <laughs> it out, right? It was a you know it's it it's the glory of uh, of, of uh, kings to conceal, man. It's the glory of God to. Search them out, right? It's a God of God to consider matter. It's a God of kings to search it out, yes. So when he said Jason's 15 years old, I was saying, okay, God, I know. And I knew exactly what he was saying because I came to know Christ at 15 years old and the Lord was making me a promise. He says, this year, you will see your brother come to know Christ. I didn't know how it will happen. We weren't really tight then as brothers. You've heard the story from Jason. I used to wrestle, you know, but nine years apart. But God was faithful, he came to know Christ at 15. The Lord kept his word. likewise, when we started the youth ministry in those days, one boy, the Lord spoke to me and said that if you would do it, I will build the youth ministry. And some of you have been with, with me for a long time, and was I a perfect leader in those days? If, if, if you've worked with me now and if you think that I'm, I, I'm hard to work with at this point in my life, <laughs> imagine 15 years ago all right I was I was task oriented. Highly dictatorial. It's either my way or the highway. That's pretty scary. I wouldn't like to work with Daniel Chua. But I, but I tell you what I had. I, I, I had faith. All right, and it's no excuse that that I don't allow God to work in my character. Right, so I'm not saying that. So, but faith produces. One boy and the Lord said one day this hall would be full. All right, if you have been to Cornerstone, you would know. It's not, it's, not, it's not about numbers, it's about promise and impact. So I sat there in the front, it was all dark. At that point, there were still karaoke rooms because the church bought over in nightclubs, there were rooms at the back. So I sat there and I said, okay, 400, Possible. We had one boy, you know. And it was, but I dream, I dream. And when the day came, when the place was packed out, I say, God, you have been faithful. You know, but bef- but between now till then, you know what the what the church did was they bring down all the ka- the karaoke rooms, and so the space expanded from four hundred now sits six hundred. And I said, well, how do we ever fill the place? But it's not about what I think God <laughs> can do exceedingly. The Bible says abundantly far above what we can ask or imagine. I imagine the place for God outdid Himself. And, and we created traffic jams uh, along East Coast Road. It's not my doing because I tried to repeat that. I got burned out the next year. So it's the Lord. But what's the point? The Lord promised and must have faith. So as I was contemplating on this subject on faith yesterday, the Lord says, "Yes, we've got, got grace, right? So we are all grace-based people. We believe that He's uh, that we can merit His His favor. That He's all powerful. But grace is like the fuel. You can top it all up, but faith, I believe, is the ignition key. You need to turn the key. And what is that? You, we, we need to act." When the Lord says much around, you can't just sit there and say, oh, it's all about grace. I don't want to do a... a, a thing. It's about co-laboring with the voice of God. If God is saying it, He says, all the grace is there to bring the wall down. All the grace is there to stop the sun from spinning. But you have a part to play. And faith is action. So faith will ignite what grace will provide us, right? It's, faith is an ignition. You... My car can be the most powerful car in the world. So I, I don't drive fast cars, so I don't know what's the most powerful car and how do you measure that. But some of you know, right? Fast cars. But if you don't turn on the engine, all you had is a nice-looking car and you wouldn't enjoy the performance. So we need to turn the key. And faith is the key. And what does it mean? It means that we have got to act. You, you believe this church is a wonderful church. You believe it will grow. But if no one is acting, can I say this, that we will not do it? Because we, and, and it's, you're, are you saying God's limited? He's not, but He chose to limit Himself. He, as I said, He wanted to work through people. It's not He cannot. He doesn't want to. It's not He cannot. He will, he will not. My eyes run to and fro the earth. I'm looking for people of faith. I'm looking for people of faith. I'm looking for people of faith. Right, you can have all the character flaws in your life. Over time, my spirit will break you. But no, you faith produces. I grew up reading faith. I grew up reading people of faith. I was browsing around a bookstore and I came across another amazing book on, on, on a guy named George Mueller. If, if, if you've not read his life, you should read his life. George Mueller ran an orphanage with no money. It was all prayer and faith. <laughs> it's incredible, but we must be people of faith. The same for the young adults. If you have just joined us in the last six months, I'm not saying that we're seeing the fulfillment of the, of the complete word yet, but and it's not a reaction to, oh, church is shrinking, you know, in those days. I woke up one morning and I heard the word, I, you know, and, and the Holy Spirit said, if you would build the YA, or if you would start the young adults, I don't know what that that means, you try to use a mind to think, or maybe structure it, so we tried. But he said, if if you will start the young adults, I will bless it. It's a word from the, the Lord. And of course, we try to understand Him, we try to structure it, we try to you know move people on from the youth and we, you know and of course one two times you know I think we overstepped some uh, you know we we ran ahead ahead of ourselves but the Lord said if you would start and so what we did was we start we started we said okay these, these young adult cells and he said I'll double it before the year ends and I was looking at the, the numbers recently and the number of new people I I think God's done it. What's the point? Is it my genius? No. I think it is faith. The Lord says to me, I've given you, I've gi- I've given you as in the, the church in Myanmar as one of your inheritance. And I don't think it's by chance that we are connected 15 years ago to one of the most fruitful people in Myanmar. Sotiha, Titus, Mary. Their CDs are like the Hillsong music in Myanmar, by the way. <laughs> it's not that, it's not that, Okay, I'm not comparing style. I'm comparing the influence that they have. All over, people sing their songs. They're writing their songs, you know. Their concert uh, concert well attended. They're preaching now. Is they're selling their CDs. I mean, they are of course twenty five years in terms of, but that's how that the influence was growing. And I'm not surprised by the growth. It's not me. It's the Lord speaking to me and said, "I've given you." Myanmar as as an inheritance. Same for fostering. Same. We didn't expect all the media coverage. We didn't expect God giving us a voice. And all we did was faith. Let's do it. House is too small. Never mind. We tried to use our wisdom to try to, you know, build the rooms, double a decker bed. The only thing we can't do is is to increase the space. So a limited space, but within the space, How many people can we pack in? If you've you've been to my house, at any one time, you have at least 10 people in the house. My my mother-in-law would be there. (laughs) A lot of people. Four rooms, squeeze. Doesn't matter. Tomorrow, someone uh, is coming and observe a, a, a potential foster child to see whether she wants to be part of our family. Now, she's slightly older. We're pushing ourselves, stretching our heart because babies can't talk back to you, right? So, easier but tomorrow we're having a child and she's coming. We might have three foster babies, children in our place. And our house is 1,300 square feet. Some of you, 13,000 square feet. Two of you. (laughs) What's my point? I'm not saying that you should take on my calling, but my point is this. If God has said it, we have to activate and faith will produce. Who would have thought? And of course, the day might come when God may honor our faith and say, okay, I'll move you into a big house now. But take on 10 children. (laughs) Are you with me? It's faith. So can you see that God wants to lift our vision higher as a a church? God wants to lift your vision higher as an individual. He wants you to lift up your eyes and see. For the fields are white unto harvest. Do you know why Jesus said that that word? I used to say this to younger people. Do you know why he says, Lift up your eyes? Because their eyes have been on themselves the whole time. On themselves. Oh, I can't do it. Oh, I don't have enough. Oh, my this and uh, my dad. And he says, Hey, stop being so self-centered. Lift up your eyes and see. The fields are white unto harvest. God has been stirring my heart about. Evangelism. He has been last uh, last night. I was just listening to Steve Green, right? No, Steve Green. Even though Steve Green, it dates you. Uh. <laughs> it means that you are probably in your thirties, forties, or even older. So Steve Green had this amazing song uh, that is entitled People Need the Lord. Every day they pass me by. And when I heard the song, and he, he was in Korea when he uh, did a duet with a Korean, apparently, gospel singer. I got no idea who the Korean singer was. I knew Steve Green. But my heart was so moved. People need the Lord. And it's time for us to move beyond our comfort zone. Lift up our vision and see the world through Jesus' eyes. Amen. Let's cover one more point. Point five. The next thing we learn about Joshua, this is very interesting. Joshua had a name change. You know that? Joshua had a name change. Numbers 13 verse 16. Do I have uh, the verse? These were the names of the men who, Moses's, who, Mo, who Moses sent to spy out the land. And Moses called Hoshea the son of Nun. Is that the next verse? Uh, and Moses called Hoshea, the son of Nun, Joshua. So basically, Moses changed Hoshea's name to Joshua. All right. Before he was called, his name was Hoshea. Moses, when he called, Joshua, uh, called Hoshea, changed his name to Joshua. Are you tracking with me? And a change of name in the Bible always signifies a change in character and calling, right? All through the Bible, names have great significance. In fact, much greater significance than they usually have in our contemporary culture. Almost every name in the Bible has a specific meaning and a specific appropriateness to the person named. A clear example of this fact is found in the names of the three patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob and two of them had their name changed by God. Abraham, before he was called Abraham, he was called Abram. Of course, it sounded so familiar. But Abram means exalted father. But Abraham means the father of a multitude. So God changed his name from Abram, an exalted father, to a father of a multitude. But do you know what? He didn't have any... Children at, 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 at that point. And he was way beyond past child-bearing age. Or child, the, well, both Sarah and Abraham was way beyond that, that, that phase in life to, to give birth to more children. When God changed his name, God was actually declaring into Abraham's life a destiny. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. Of course, Jacob means what? Supplanter. One who grabs the heel, a grabber. Alright, but about Israel means a prince, one who prevail. Wrestle and prevail. In each case. The change of name was given during a crisis in the life of the patriarch. Interesting, isn't it? And it had a decisive effect on his ongoing character development and the fulfillment of his destiny. In other words, church, names are connected with character and destiny. A change of name means a change of the character and the destiny of that person. So you might ask, what, what, what about Isaac? <laughs> Why didn't Isaac have his name changed? I was thinking about this. It's very interesting. Because God chose Isaac's name before he was born. It was God who named him Laughter. It was God who named Isaac Isaac. If God named Isaac Isaac, there's no need for Isaac to change his name. Ta-da! That's good preaching. But Joshua's name was important in a sense that his name and the name of Jesus are the same in the Bible language. So Joshua is an Old Testament type of Jesus. He represents Jesus. Amen. So just as Joshua led the children of Israel into the Promised Land, Jesus will lead his church into her inheritance. Why did I bring this up? Because I believe it's very important for us to understand names. Very important. If you... If you think that it's just names, can I just impress on your heart this morning that it's more than names? That God calls us by name. Right? That God calls us by name. And there are people who are changing their names and you might laugh at them. One of them is a friend of mine. When I knew him, he was called Nicholas. After a few years, he came to me and he says, and I said, Hi, Nicholas. He says, No, my name is Watchman. So I said, What? Watchman? So, from henceforth, whenever I see him, I say, hello, watchman. And he sees that as his calling, that he's supposed to be an intercessor, a watchman on the wall. And he would go around different churches praying. Now, we might laugh, but he takes it seriously because to him, this is his calling in life. And I know people who have changed their names, right? From Paul Yonggi Cho to David Yonggi Cho. He changed his name to David. And there are people who have changed their names. It's very interesting that God named us. And so some of you might not have that name, but you, you may have a spiritual name. So I didn't see Rebecca here, but uh, I was praying for Rebecca earlier uh, in the earlier days when we first met. And so I prayed for Rebecca and I said, I don't know why, but I just see you like an Esther holding a scepter and I gave her a prophetic word. And she started tearing. She said, "You're the third person to tell me that." I say, "If that's the case, then you are an Esther. God has given you influence in the king's court." And and so, of course, from the end, of course, from that point on, she received even more words about her being tall, Esther, scepter stretching out the scepter. God name us, God name us, and. It's interesting. My, my name has been changed. If you've been here long enough, you would, you would know that my Chinese name was Peng Kui, right? And my parents thought that uh, there were too many demons attacking me when I was younger, so they brought me to see a monk and they changed my name to Sheng which is how they called me when I was growing up, which means holy joy. <coughs> my name has been changed. It's a nickname, but you know people still call me Sheng at times. My uncles, my aunties. It's interesting. When I was baptized, I felt that I represent breakthrough and so I believe God gave me a name Perez. But I just want to say that I believe when my parents named me Daniel, it wasn't in, in, in my NRIC, but I believe that my dad actually was naming me you know, under the influence of the Holy Spirit. It's interesting, but I am beginning to observe that my life is starting to live out that name. I have a, I have a hunger and, and a thirst for wisdom. I've got people who come to me and say, Daniel, you've got a wisdom way beyond your years. Which is what they say concerning Daniel. All right, I've got people coming to me and said, God has given you influence to kings. And I didn't know that, but as I connected the dots, I think I was named prophetically when I was born by my parents. I turned to Andre just now and I said, Andre, who named you Josiah? Of course he says it's himself, but I believe it's God when he was baptized. Now, it was when we practiced this, before you got baptized, let's pray, what is God's name for you? And so we're praying, and I I think he came up with the name and maybe consulted with Christine, maybe in those days, or a few friends. And Josiah's name is the fire of God. And I believe God, at that point in time, dropped in his heart a desire to be a man on fire. And you can tell, he's a man on fire. A prophet of fire, a king you know, of fire, one who would bring the fire of God. And I turned to him and said, but Andre, who named you Andre? He says, my parents. And so I said, what's the meaning? Do you, do, did they know the meaning when they named you Andre? He says, maybe not. But I said, what's the meaning? Strong and mighty. I can see that. He's pretty tall. I was speaking to uh, Adesha and, uh, and, of course, Andre is the biggest in the family. Apparently, like, correct, St- strong and mighty, and I think it speaks of his stature as a person as well. In the spirit, that in the spirit he's strong, he's mighty, and he's one who's called to bring the fire of God. I believe it, you know. And some of us we have different names. When Joy was getting baptized, her name wasn't Joy then. Her name was Shuiying, uh, right? So I call her Shuiying. My, I, that's when I knew knew her. Her name was Shuiying, Shalin in English. But when she was getting baptized or we praying, she was 13 years old then, her leaders were praying, and they named her Joy. Is there any wonder why she is bubbly, full of joy? You know, she's extroverted. She's, she, you know, she, she brings joy wherever she goes. And now she's bringing joy to children, bringing joy to people, to family. Joy. God names us. And so when God changed Joshua's name, He's saying, that, Hey, I'm changing your destiny that you are supposed to be a saviour of an entire nation. You are supposed to bring them in and save them from the wilderness, save them from... I'm supposed to br- You are to bring them in, like Jesus would bring us out of the kingdom of darkness, translate us into the kingdom of light. It's very interesting, isn't it? So let's close here, yeah? since it's 1145. You know, and I want to do something. I just felt I should land here, and can I have to bend on stage? If we don't know your spiritual name, right? This might sound weird to, to some of you, but I really believe because one of, one of the ways we prophesy, and we believe that God has called us to be a prophetic church, is when we're prophesying. You know what the Lord would do is that He would usually drop like a Bible character, right? It's it's one of the easiest way to hear God's voice. One of the easiest ways. And so, I've been taught growing up when you pray for, people ask yourself, who is this man? Or who is this person? And then I'll hear and then I'll hear a thought, a oh, Deborah. I'll hear a thought, you're, you're, you are like a Peter, you're a rock. I'll hear, I know, I'll, I'll, I'll hear words like that. And then I, and when I start releasing the word, you, it starts to make sense and this person will say, ah, oh, it's true. It's one of the ways we prophesy by looking the scripture and prophetically sensing what's the person's name. And so let's practice that this, mo- this morning. All right, if, and if you know it, I think it's good that you turn around and you share it with uh, the person next to you. And pray into it. You know, but I do sense that God wants us to, to know who we are. I mean, if you know who you are, you wouldn't want to be someone else. I want to be a Daniel. I want, I want to be a good Daniel. And, and of course, there were names like Samuel, Barnabas, which I think define uh, my attitude in ministry. Right? I want to be someone who would encourage, who would make room for, who would lift a person up. It's not about me being from the front. I want to be someone who would anoint kings and, 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 and uh, put them in a position of influence, not me. And so this is like, I feel that's part of my, but I feel at the end of the day, God has named me Daniel. He has, all right, and I want to do this this morning. let 's sing a song, sit back, relax, and if you don't know who you are, say, God, can you show me a Bible character that that, de- that defines who I am wouldn 't be hundred percent? Of course, there are, there are some favorites like David, <laughs> you know like Joshua, but I believe that the Lord will speak to you clearly. All right, so let's sing a song. And let's hear the Lord.
1: Not trust the sweetest rain, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. So Christ. Every high and stormy air My echo holds within the field One more time, we're not to see
0: prophesied 500 years before Cyrus the King was born. It's interesting. God knows us by name when Jesus first met Nathaniel. He said, you're Nathaniel, whose name means one without guile. And that basically defines who he is. He says, how do you know? He he says, your name is fitting for your personality. You're, You're one without guile. See, God knows us and God calls us by name. And so I want to pray for you be- before you start praying for one another that God will speak to you. First, uh, first of all, I want to pray for an impartation of faith. Next Sunday, uh, the two-, two Sundays time, I'll talk more about that. But at this point, I, I want to ask God to impart faith to us. Now, if you're always struggling with unbelief, you have a negative outlook of life, everything you see is bad, I want you to know this morning that this is not God's will for your life. He wants you to see a hopeful future. He wants you to approach life with faith. So let's lift up our hands if you're a believer here. Alright, and allow me to pray. There's nothing magical about this prayer exam to be a point of contact. So where you are, as to raise your hand. Alright, I want you to see that God's the one who will impart faith to you. The disciples say, God, I believe, help my unbelief. And Jesus will honor that that prayer this morning. So Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, there are things in our lives that we find hard to believe. But Father, we acknowledge our lack before you. And Father, your word tells us that Lord, whatever we need, we can come boldly before your throne of grace to find grace to help in time of need. So Father, we open our hands to you right now. We've heard of the power of faith. We've heard that Joshua was a man of faith and how by faith he did the ridiculous and he did the impossible. So Father, right now, as parents, as uh, employees, as business owners, but most of all as Christians, we open our hands and we say, God, pour out the spirit of faith Lord, give us faith, oh God. Greater faith to believe. We put our faith in what Jesus Christ has done for us. Help us align our faith to His faith. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I pray for an impartation of the spirit of faith. Just freely receive. Go right now. Freely receive. And I'm just seeing a wall before some of you. I believe it represents the Jericho wall that seems insurmountable before I say this prayer. But I want you to look at that wall before you and I want you to see that that wall crumbling down. That wall crumbling down. God has made precious promises to you and about your children, but fear and unbelief might have constructed a wall before you and you simply can't see what's on the other side. But I believe right now those walls are crumbling down. Just see that. Come on, church. Just see that. Those walls are crumbling down. And I want you under your breath, first of all, to declare that the walls are crumbling down. Come on, just where you are. Declare the walls are crumbling down. Walls of fear. Walls of unbelief. Walls of debt. Walls of lack. Walls of sickness. Walls of barrenness. These walls... are crumbling down. Are crumbling down. As God released faith into your spirit, as God increased faith in your heart, those walls are crumbling down. Come on, just pray in the spirit for a while more. Let's work on this a little bit more. By the power of the Holy Spirit, those walls are crumbling down. Those walls are crumbling down. Powerless living is leaving you right now. Visionless life. Hopelessness is going right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Skepticism. Being cynical of our life is leaving you right now. Negativity is leaving you right now. In the name of Jesus those walls are crumbling down those walls are crumbling down thank you Lord I, I just sense that, that 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 God wants to deal with, with, with a few things All right, every eye close every head bowed I just see before me the wall of hopelessness the wall of hopelessness every eye close please if that's you if you are if what you are facing right now is a wall of hopelessness that you that there is no hope for tomorrow, that you are just simply existing. And you are just saying, oh, I'll just live one day at at a time. Now, friends, I believe in living for the now, but this is not how God wants us to live. He doesn't just want us to, to survive. If that's your attitude towards life, just one day at a time, hopefully I can survive my tomorrow. Friends, that's the wall of hopelessness. So if that's you lift up your hand please i want to bring that wall down in in prayer so if that's you lift up your hand as high as possible come on church god is speaking lift up your hand when i see you and i'll pray it's not just surviving church. he wants you to, to thrive it's not a wall of hopelessness be before you over the other side is a grassland of destiny. Come on. It's a grasp and a fulfilled promises. So Father, right now, with hands that are going up, we command these walls to come down in the name of Jesus. We command these walls to come down in the name of Jesus. Hopelessness, you have got no place in the life of the believer in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You know, I sense also what I'm seeing before me is a wall of barrenness. If that's you, if you're feeling that your life is barren, that you're not producing fruit, every eye closed please, every, every head bow, if that's you, if you've been barren in your life, whether it's naturally, whether it's spiritually, whether it's in every, in your career, in your job, lift up your, your hand where you are. Every eye closed please. Alright, just lift up your hand. I want to pray for you. If, if, if you feel that you've been barren where you are, it's a wall. Lord, your word tells us that all your promises are yes and amen. Father, when we got married, when we start our job, when we take our first job, Lord, your promise good to us. Lord, we're not supposed to be barren. Lord, the Word tells us, God, that our branches will go beyond the walls. Lord, in in the the book of Genesis chapter 49, that our branches would go over those walls. So Father, right now, we declare fruitfulness, Lord, over the life of the people in the name of Jesus, that you shall be exceedingly fruitful. You shall multiply. You know, I just see the Lord saying to you, who are Joseph's here, you, Joseph, have been called by me to be Joseph's in the workplace that I'm giving you right now, your, <laughs> your offspring, that, that you will forget the barrenness of all, and you'll be doubly fruitful from this day forward. He's giving you your Ephraim right now in the name of Jesus. And He's saying you will have an Ephraim moving forward in the name of Jesus who declare the wall of barrenness. Come down in the name of Jesus. Come down. Come down. Hallelujah. Last but not least, I believe God wants to give you a name where you are. Just Just don't be weirded out by this. I believe God is calling you by name. He's calling you by name. Just open your ears. Father, I pray for circumcised ears, God, to hear your voice right now. That, Father, we would know our name. That, Lord, we can walk in the confidence of who we are. We will not want to be like someone else, Lord. <laughs> thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you that you are hovering over people, God, that you are, Lord, that you are birthing destinies in the hearts right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Just look to the person, just turn around to the people around you and I want you to, to pray for one another if a husband and wife feel free to do so but if you want to just be a part for a while turn around you know and if you know your name just say God just spoke to me man He just said that I'm a so and so just oh you say I don't know can you pray with me do that alright in pairs just turn around alright let's all be engaged in this exercise linger a little bit longer church I believe for breakthroughs I believe for breakthroughs. I believe you for breakthroughs. Thank you, Thank, you, Thank you, Lord. 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 How many roofs do we have here? I, I know Russell's wife is Ruth but any other Ruth? I know I sense in, in my heart that, 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 that there are some roofs here. Ruth. That you will be part of the ancestral line of royalty. That you will give birth to kings, says the Lord. You will give birth to kings. You are Ruth.